The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. Demacek puts Cole Custer into the wall. They both stay on the throttle. Now they're beginning to crash. One truck goes sliding wildly. One truck is in the air. Matt Crafton upside down. The Motor Racing Network presents the Tough Trucks of NASCAR. 25 years and still trucking. Get the line. Mike Skinner wins it by two one-hundredths of a second. He was too bullheaded to let me pass him, and I was too bullheaded to let him have it. Brendan Gunn wins in his own backyard at the Las Vegas. Fans were in. We partied in the race shop for hours. It was a wild party night. Now here's Sprague going for second. He and Hornaday come together. Now Hornaday goes around, slams into the wall. To this day, he can't tell me if I ever spun him out. Because I can save it better than him. I told you he was going to yeah. say that back. I told you. From the Motor Racing Network studios in Concord, North Carolina. Here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. I'm Mike Bagley. Welcome to our final episode as we've been honoring 25 years of truck racing in NASCAR. And this episode, we're going to focus on the rivalries and the heated moments they produced. One of the things fans consistently say they love about what is the Gander Outdoors Truck Series is the action-packed racing. Shorter distances put drivers up on the wheels since they know they don't have much time to get the job done. And that's not just today. From the beginning, rivalries have defined this series, starting with the first three champions, Mike Skinner, Ron Hornaday, and Jack Sprague. Skinner still has passion about the sparks that sometimes led to fire between himself, Sprague, and Hornaday. Hell, every week. What are you talking about? Every week there was a bowling point. I mean, there was times that, that they came uh, they came on my radio once at Memphis and said, if you hit him again, we're parking you. And I said, well, so basically it was all right for him to knock the crap out of me and slide me plumb up the racetrack, but it's not okay for me to pay him back? B.S., you know? And uh, I, that was a, a pretty big boiling point, but, uh, you know, NASCAR basically calmed me down by going, well, you can either calm down or park it, whatever you want to do, but, you know, you're not going to keep on racing like that. So uh, there was a few boiling points, and, and I had a, had some boiling points with Jack. Um, but, you know, it what's, what's so crazy about the deal, they are two of my favorite people in the whole world today. And a couple times a year we get together and we reminisce and we give each other crap, and uh, it's just... I just love those guys. I mean, I really think that they brought a lot to our sport. In fact, the big three won six of the first seven truck titles and always seemed to be near the front together. It is Skinner by about four truck links over Jack Sprague. Ron Hornaday holding down third, but Skinner in the lead coming out of turn five. Here comes Mike Skinner for the final time this afternoon. The race leader in the black and silver good red Chevrolet truck colors works his way downhill through turn six and heads off through the S's. Here he comes now into turn number seven. The fans in turn eight waving and screaming now as he comes off turn number eight, standing in that gas down the short shoes to turn nine. Here comes Mike Skinner now coming down for the checkered flag. Again, we told you he he won the last two races in a row. He's hoping to make it three in a row. Looks like he's going to do it. He maintains that margin about three or four truck lengths over Jack Sprague. Skinner off the final turn and onto the drag strip, headed down to the start-finish line. Mike Skinner will win the Lund Look 225 this afternoon. Mike Skinner wins. Jack Sprague is second. Ron Hornaday third. But it wasn't always that simple or clean. One of the more infamous on-track incidents came in 1998 
at Indianapolis Raceway Park. Here's Hornaday again, dropping to the inside, looking for a way to get by. He's got to make something happen. Sprague's behind him, and here's Dennis Setzer making this a four-way battle. Lonnie Rush making his Chevrolet awfully wide, coming off the corner. Now here's Sprague going for second. He and Hornaday come together. Now Hornaday goes around, slams into the wall. Sprague and Hornaday make contact. Now Setzer gets by. Roper gets by. Hornaday drives off, but Sprague and Hornaday make contact, putting us under the seventh caution. Make that the eighth caution of the Cummins 200. Yellow flag at uh, lap 173. Jack Sprague and Ron Hornaday racing for the second spot. Contact between them. Hornaday ends up bouncing off the outside wall, rips the tailgate panel away from his truck, and a lot more as he comes back by, still running in fifth position. He's kept going after bouncing off the wall, now running up on the back of Sprague's machine and putting himself in line in front of Sprague and stomping on the brakes on the racetrack as Ron Hornaday is now going to be penalized by NASCAR for that action. He will be receiving a one-lap penalty when he comes down pit road for pulling up to pit and then uh, basically brake-checking Jack Sprague out of the back straightaway. Things begin to take a rather different twist here in the late going. Sprague says that incident and others shaped their relationship. We hated to get passed by each other, definitely. And, um, you know, he'll tell the story a thousand times. He had so much motor, I had to hit him in the corner so I'd keep up with him down straightaway. He's full of crap. He had good motors, too. He just hit me anyway. But he would, uh, he, uh, most for the most part, after, you know, we parked by each other in the motorhome lot. Um, we drank beer with each other at night. Don't get me wrong. We had our moments, and we had our weeks where, I was so mad at him one time. I didn't talk to him for two, three weeks, and I was mad at Skinner the same way several times. And Hornet was mad at me over the Hornet was mad at me big time over the IRP white glove deal, which appears as if I just totally wrecked him, which I didn't. I got loose and I turned right to correct and hit him. He wasn't going to win anyway. I had him covered, so I don't know what he was even mad about. Well, Ron's in the middle of the racetrack trying to get by line. I just went to the apron to get by both of them because I led the whole night. Mm -hmm. It was after a pit stop, and I got loose and I turned right and I hit. Ron, the left rear quarter panel, he turns and backs it in the fence. Then his guys, we were pitted, right? We were pitted, boom, boom. His guys came to my pit, and my high big guys, always. I needed big guys. I needed them. And they just said, you better go back to your pit. They went. And after the race, man, I thought the fans were going to kill me. They are tearing the fence down trying to get at me. <laughs> and it, kinda, it gets a little worse. So we go to New Hampshire the next week, and um, Dennis Huth, he's eating this stuff off. He's, he's all about showbiz. And he's eating it up that Hornaday's mad, and Hornaday's acting mad and messing with me. And I'm, we get to racing, and I, I catch him. I'm like, God almighty, I can't touch him. There's no way I can't touch him. And he ain't making this easy on me. He is blocking the crap out of me. We come off, too. I hit the left front on the apron, hit him again, spin him out. This is the next week. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. He spins out. I don't remember if he, I don't think he hit anything. But he messed with me the rest of that race. Yeah, well, that was a, that was a, one of the bad times. <laughs> <laughs> but we look back now, he knows I got loose, but he still loves messing with me. Former series director Wayne Auten joined Sprague and Hornaday to remember the days of the big three battling on and off the track. <laughs> so the, uh, there's a couple <laughs> names for Jack that I can't say on air that Hornaday and Skinner kept calling him all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, I always kept telling him that. He had so much motor that I had to run into him in the corners so I can keep up with him down <laughs> he the straightaway. He had good motors, too. But he... he to this day, he can't tell me when I if I ever spun him out. Because I can save it better than him. I told you he was going to yeah. say that back. I told you. 
He's said, Hornady always says, I never spun you out. You spun me out. I said, because I can uh, save it better than you can. I but just, I'm going to say that I knew where my bumper was in my radiator cap. He didn't. He just drove <laughs> yeah, until he, yeah. he seen the steam come out. That's what he reckoned. <laughs> For his part, Skinner says at the end of the day, friendship overcame angry moments. I, I think the best rival that, that the truck series ever had was Ron and I. Um, because it was it was almost like the, you know, the fox and the and the sheepdog. You know, we, we could, we were we were buds. We, I mean, we we drink beer together, and then when we get on the racetrack, it was like we cut each other's throat. We hated each other on the racetrack, and I'd rough him up or he'd rough me up, and we'd get mad and want to kill one another. And 20 minutes after the race, we're over there, one of the other's motorhome having a beer, and uh, it, it was just um, it, it was really really a, a match that you couldn't you could you couldn't script it it just had to happen and uh, most guys when you get that mad at them you don't you don't want to go have a beer with them but uh, ron and i always seemed to be able to pull a friendship together at no matter what happened on the racetrack post-race camaraderie seems to be a common thread greg biffle the only driver outside the big three to win a truck championship during those first seven years says he got sucked into the club and i'll never forget a story i i, I have and i've thought about it forever and you know, it's right, I think it was 2000, but few guys were starting to get motorhomes. Ron Hornaday, I think, was one of the first, and then Jack had one, and, and I think Andy Houston and some others. And I stopped after practice. It was at uh, Memphis. I stopped after practice, had a few beers, and Hornaday, Hornaday was always trying to get me drunk. He's like, come on, have one more. Come on, have another one. You know, because he knew I was fast. I was the top of the speed chart. You know, he's trying to slow down a little bit. Trying to get me under the weather for tomorrow, you know, and I'm like, no, no, no. But a couple of things come to mind is, one, I'm glad I didn't have a motorhome because he probably would have won. And, two, I laughed forever. I said, I'm going to go get, like, a 1968 or 73 Winnebago, and I'm going to cut the muffler off that generator, and I'm going to pull it up and park it with like 55 gallon gas tank right next to his motorhome. And I'm going to start that generator, lock up that motorhome, and I'm going to drive to the hotel. <laughs> and he's, he's going to listen to that thing all night long. Run with no muffler on it or something. I laughed so hard about that. I wanted to spend five grand and buy the just the... Why didn't you? The I, I don't know. One of those things, you know. I wanted to buy the crappiest motorhome I could find with a <laughs> cut the muffler off the generator and park it in between him and Sprague. Paid the track off to let me get me that spot in between their buses. Being good often means a driver has a bullseye that other drivers shoot for. The big three took shots from the best. Here's 2005 champion Ted Musgrave. My buddy Jack Sprague. Uh, because, you know, he's from Michigan. He came from short tracks. I was from Wisconsin, more or less. Short tracks, this and that. And Jack was always a hardcore racer. I mean, so was Hornaday. So was a lot of them. You know, but Hornaday was more of a friend to me. Jack was more of a rival competition where he was giving it 150% on the racetrack. I could see that to try and win a race. So if I could beat him, you know, that was really something. So I think he was my, my most friendly rival. Brendan Gaughan won eight truck races over the years and wasn't immune to run-ins with Sprague and Hornaday. Jack caused a he, – he wrecked me for a caution in, what was it, Evergreen Speedway 2000. There's two laps to go, and he wasn't going to be able to win the race. And he picked the guy that didn't race every week, and he wrecked me intentionally. Oh, trouble on the main straightaway. Sprague and now Brendan Gone get together. Gone hard into the inside wall. 
Caution is on the speedway, and this is big. Sprague now has a chance to win, although he and Brendan Gaughan made contact coming off the corner. Gaughan struck spent tail end first into the inside wall, and now lie motionless as we are under caution, and this race is far from over. Man, oh man. I, I was always mad at Jack and still a little bit mad at him to this day because I was taught by Butch Miller and guys that you get FaceTime with a driver after something happens. Whether it's an accident, whether it's intentional, whether it's, you know, just hard racing, you go over and you make sure you, you know, get FaceTime. I, I've walked up to guys and go, I wrecked you intentionally, you, you POS, and you do it to me again, I'm going to get you. You know, and I've looked at guys before and said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I just threw my head out the window. But let, let it be known. It doesn't make it any better, but you got to let it be known or else things do. And so Jack never uh, really said nothing after that except for, like, four years later. He goes, yeah, I got you. I needed it. You know, and it was like, okay. So, uh, yeah, Jack and I, we, we, I always raced him probably harder than, than Hornaday because I like Ron better than Jack. <laughs> Former Southwest Steward champ and current cup spotter Rick Corelli won four times behind the wheel of a truck. Yeah, as a matter of fact, we're just talking about Hornaday. You know, the biggest thing is we're running Flemington, uh, New Jersey, and have a racetrack. And, I, I mean, I'm dominating it. We're running out there, and then I think Terry Cook spun out or whatever. Then it had a restart. Hornaday was behind me, you know, Mr. Restart always, and uh, he got underneath me. And, I mean, I lost. It was a green-white checker, and I ended up, and I think I spun him out coming across the checker flag. But it was one of the times, I think, when I looked at it and, I, you know, what I could have done different or why I didn't stay to the outside and run on the outside. But it was, uh, I don't know, it was, that, that's when I lost my mind a little bit. But it was all good. My wife would reel me back in every once in a while. Rivalries and boiling points didn't end with those early drivers. 2006 and 2010, champ Todd Bodine was eager to name his racing nemesis. Kyle Bush. We just rubbed each other the wrong way. I think a lot of it is, you know, our style of driving is kind of the same. You know, get out of my way. I'm coming through. and But at the same time, be very smart with what you're doing. And at the time, when, I, when we first started this whole Jermaine thing, I was probably one of the few that could actually run with Kyle uh, week in, week out. You know, Ron did, and Mike, and Jack, and we had a few guys. We could run with them, but we we just bumped heads and you know i don't know it's just it's just one of those things it ended up being a rivalry the two famously tangled during and after the race at kentucky speedway in 2010 looks like a four wide battle down the back straightaway for the number three position but it's going to be bodine up front grabbing the lead down to the bottom of the racetrack kyle bush he's top shelf digging up top bodine spins it he spins back up in the wall almost drops it down to the bottom of the racetrack everybody on the binders to avoid contact Caution comes out for the fourth time in the built Ford Tough 225. Comes out to a solo spin by Todd Bodine. That was close quarter racing between Bodine and Kyle Busch. Well, there again, me and, me and Kyle were racing hard for the lead. Uh, Kyle was leading, I was second. And uh, there was about 60 laps to go. And Caution came out, pitted and came out. And I was, Kyle was still leading, I was second. We take off on the restart and we're racing for a while. And I was faster than Kyle. And I, I drove under him going into three. And looking back at the video, if I would have just slid through the old slide job on him, I would have been in front of him. But I didn't know I was clear. And he drove back to the outside of me. And I, I stayed away from him. I stayed down the track. But, well, we, he gets into four and gets right down on my quarter panel and then pulls off me. And we all know what happens. It sucks you right around, the aerodynamics. And I am spinning out, coming off of four. 
of course, spin down through the infield, didn't didn't hit the wall or anything. Caution comes out. Now we've run about eight laps by now, and we have to come in the pit. Uh, we had to tape down some of the bed covers and uh, make sure everything's all right. Change the tires and filled it back up with gas, and we'd run eight laps. So we take off, and here I come, man, just flying through the field and and getting down toward the end of the race now. No cautions, nothing happening. And I drove up to fifth under green. And here we go. Guys are starting to pit. Got to get gas. 15 laps to go. And going is 10 side to 10 laps to go, and some guys are pitting. Now a couple guys are starting to run out of gas because they're trying to stretch it. And with about 15 laps to go, uh, Mike Jr., Mike Hillman Jr., my crew chief, said, I need you to save gas. He said, we got we got over half a lap lead. I just, on, on fourth place, I just need you to save gas. So I rode around there for the last 15 laps, literally at half throttle. I mean, even down the straightaways, run half throttle. And everybody ran out of gas, including Kyle. And there we were. We were running fifth when everybody all started happening, and we ended up winning the race. So... I get to do a couple donuts and get into victory lane. First thing I did is I called Kyle out. So I got to thank Kyle Bush for driving me dirty and sucking me around and spinning me out because that's the reason I got enough gas to finish this race. <laughs> and before I could finish the interview in victory lane, Kyle was standing there in his street clothes in front of me with his finger in my chest pointing at me. And uh, it was funny. We, we got in a little heated argument and, you know, how races will be, and uh, I won, and he didn't. Bodine wasn't the only driver to have a run-in with Bush over the years. One of the most infamous came at Texas Motor Speedway in 2011. Kyle Bush is not happy with what Ron Hornaday did. Bush slams him. He pushes him into turn number three. It turns Hornaday up into the wall. Bush's truck also out of control. He also hits the outside retaining wall. Heavy front-end damage. Both trucks on the front caved in. Kyle Bush now races away still doing donuts in front of Ron Hornaday to show his displeasure. Hornaday's lifeless truck sits down to the inside, but heavy front-end damage to both machines. Unbelievable. Lap 13 is on the board, and all heck has broken loose at Texas Motor Speedway. It started at the other end of the property, Kyle Ricky in front of you with Kyle Bush and Ron Hornaday trying to squeeze by a lap truck. Ron Hornaday was to the inside of Kyle Bush trying to take that second spot away. They were trying to make the pass on the lap truck of Johnny Chapman, who was to the inside of the racetrack running all by himself, simply trying to stay out of the way. The two trucks tried to go high. There was simply not enough room. They ran out of room. Hornaday got loose to the inside of Kyle Bush. They both drifted up the racetrack. Bush bounced off the outside wall, as did Hornaday. There was minimal damage to both of those trucks as they continued on to the backstretch, and that's where the incident continued in front of Buddy Long in turn three. Yeah, Kyle Bush just was, you could see it happening back, man, right down to the entrance of turn number three. He was ready to retaliate. He did not like what happened over in turn number two. As they got racing very early, he got right in the back of Hornaday and just drove him. He pushed him hard, not really drove him, but pushed and pushed and pushed until Hornaday eventually had no choice. The truck made a sharp right-hand turn right up the bank, and he crashed into the outside retaining wall. Well, I had P3, which in our on our parlance means pit in that end of pit road and typically a lot of the care centers are by that section of the track so when you have that pit position you typically go to the care center just because it's closest to where you are to wait for whoever comes out of the care center 
and the driver will come out and do TV and then do live radio and then the rest of the gaggle. Well, it, sometimes it takes a while for them to get out of there, depending on, you know, this was several years ago before they had as many of the concussion protocols and things that they do now. So finally Hornaday comes out, and I'm waiting, and they're uh, on the air talking to trying to get Kyle Busch or talking about what happened or some other part of the race because it had restarted by then. So I'm walking with him up pit road, you know, right behind the little road that goes behind it, and he's just steaming. You know, a lot of times I'll make idle chit-chat with a guy. You know, are you okay? That type of thing. And Hornaday was just, uh, anytime I'd ask him, he was just mad. Oh, he was really mad. You could see you could see the steam coming out of his ears as he was walking up pit road. He was ready to be done. He had been wrecked out. His chances for a championship were all but gone. There was no way he was going to get back in it. And that was about as mad, I think, as I've ever seen Ron Hornaday. Let's check in with Woody Kane. With Ron Hornaday. Ron, you had a rocket ship out there. What happened on the track between you and Kyle? Uh, Kyle's a moron, I guess. I mean, he knows I'm going for a point steal. Lapper was down there. I moved up on the, on the straightaway. He must have got a little bit more draft after my quarter panel getting in there, and I got a little loose, and we, we might have touched. But uh, after that, I mean, he just ruined a perfectly good truck. I mean, if they don't park him like they did at Harvick at Martinsville for tomorrow's race or Sunday's race... That's wrong. They need a bargain. All right, Ron Hornaday, very upset, headed back toward the garage, guys. And before we go to green, Alex Hayden, what is the scene in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series garage with Kyle Busch? Well, they just uh, brought Hornaday's truck, Pius, here. They also had some of the cameramen, a lot of the folks uh, down here media-wise surrounding Kyle Busch's hauler. He is still inside it right now, but they're just simply trying to get the 18 truck of Kyle Busch's where it can roll up on the back of the truck and they can load this hauler up. Same with Hornaday's truck. They're trying to thrash on that to potentially get it back on the racetrack not sure if they're going to be able to do that or not. If so, it's going to take an absolute miracle. But right now, Kyle Busch inside the transporter. The move cost Kyle Busch both the Xfinity and Cup races that weekend. Mike Helton was NASCAR president at the time. During the truck race last night, uh, we had an incident between the 18 and the 33 trucks that resulted in NASCAR parking the 18 truck for the balance of the event. That's done under Section 912 of the rule book. That gives NASCAR the authority to uh, react during a race weekend. Uh, and following the event and after a good deal of conversation and discussion, NASCAR has decided to uh, maintain that parked position on the driver of the 18 truck for the balance of the weekend. So basically what that means is Kyle Busch will not be participating today or tomorrow in the NASCAR event here in Texas. The duo would ultimately come the top two all-time winningest truck series drivers. Hornaday is a NASCAR Hall of Famer and most believe Bush will be after he hangs up his helmet. Heated moments aren't the exclusive domain of superstars. This one from Gateway Motorsports Park went viral in 2016. John West Townley and Spencer Gallagher for the second time tonight. Not sure if this is a coincidence or not, but they came together upon entry into turn number one, well behind the race leaders, and both went hard into the outside safer barrier. Both remain at the scene of the incident here in turn number one. Not sure if this stems from the incident earlier this evening. Well, Spencer Gallagher, John West Townley, synchronized smack to the outside safer barrier, synchronized stopped, and 
Kyle Ricky, they still sit side by side, perpendicular to the rest of the field. Yeah, I'm waiting for one of the drivers to get out because this may not be done yet. Remember, they came together, Spencer Gallagher and John West Townley, about 25, 30 laps ago, uh, maybe not even that, here in turn number one, and Townley got backed into the outside wall. That incident, I did not see how this incident developed. Again, it was well behind the race leaders. We were keeping an eye on Christopher Bell and crew at the front of the field. John West Townley climbs out of the truck and uh, Spencer Gallagher also gingerly getting out. Both, both drivers are climbing out and are exchanging words. Gallagher not happy with John West Townley and now there's a fight. Both drivers are fighting, they're on the racetrack. Gallagher goes after John West Townley. Townley now going back after Gallagher. The incident rolling around on the surface of the racetrack on the asphalt now toward the grass and now he slams him back down to the, the surface does Spencer Gallagher on John West Townley the safety crews attending to the truck as both of the drivers not letting go and now Townley gets a punch in the Spencer Gallagher Gallagher trying to restrain him and having a tough time they continue to go at it now on the grass off of the racing surface and waiting for the NASCAR officials to show up as there have been several punches exchanged between these two drivers. Motor Racing Network announcer Alex Hayden was in the booth calling the race that night. I don't necessarily know if anybody landed a punch, but it looked it looked intense. And then they got in the, the double bear hug clinches and they tried to trip each other. Neither one would go down. And finally they got tired. These big old boys got a little bit tired and just fell to the, uh, to the racetrack. Some safety personnel finally arrived on the scene and they just kind of watched it. it one of the things I remember looking out my binoculars, I saw the safety people arrive, and I thought, okay, they're going to break this up. But they didn't. They just went to the trucks and started getting the trucks ready to be towed away while these two drivers are rolling around like weebles on the middle of the racetrack. And then they start kind of double-clinched, rolling down the track a little bit. And then they finally stood up and basically said, it's like a hockey fight when you're done. When we're done, we're done. They just walked away from each other. And, and it's, it was a toss-up. I don't even know who won. Like I said, I don't know if it was a punch thrown or not. Uh, neither one of them could trip the other one. They finally just both fell, I think, because they got just tired and out of breath. And uh, it was it was super intense at first, and it became funny. And, and you almost uh, could hear in the background the old Boots Randolph yakety sax being played as a theme song going on as it's happening. Or how about Mike Wallace versus Kurt Busch at Dover in 2000? Yeah, I, I didn't have a whole lot of likeness for Kurt Busch, to be honest with you. He, uh, he, he, was, a, he was a guy that... Really are getting cocky to me, you know. Uh, wrecked me out of the lead at Dover. I was, uh, I, I still remember that. That hurts because I was leading the race with two to go. And uh, my nephew had passed away that week, and I was flying back. I was leaving Dover and going back to his funeral. And I was thinking, here we are a few laps to go, and somebody's meant for something. We're going to dedicate this win to him. And, uh, and Kurt wrecked me on the front straightaway. And, uh, so uh, he's fast. Don't get me wrong. I, and I've changed my outlook on people, you know, as years and as we all progress. But uh, if there was a, uh, a term early on, he was certainly arrogant and cocky. <laughs> but he was fast, you know. So. While many individuals have reached the boiling point over the years, perhaps no track is as much of a hot stove for tempers as Canadian Tire Motorsport Park. It almost seems that drama is a requirement at the road course near Toronto. Here's the battle for the lead. It is Austin Cindric. He gets into the back end of Grella. He sends him wide in turn number 5C. It is Austin Cindric. 
setting the sights towards the checkered flag. Todd Gilliland trying to hold off teammate Noah Gregson for the final time in turn 10. He wiggles. Here comes Gregson to the inside. They make contact. They both spin off turn 10. Justin Haley diving to the inside. Another classic Canada finish. And Justin Haley has won the Chevrolet Silverado 250. Again, a truck leg separation. Again, who gets up through the gearbox and can win that battle to the top of the hill? Here goes Elliott to the inside. The war is on. Under the bubble one bridge, the driver's left. Chase Elliott grabs the lead. It's still tied Dylan with a door handle to door handle. Side by side, the Canadian fans on each side of the straightaway on their feet. Wheel to wheel to turn eight. Who's going to give last? It's still Ty Dillon inside. He overshoots the corner. He'll take the race lead away from Chase Elliott. Here they come through the S's. Ty Dillon with the lead. Chase Elliott all over the tailgate. He gets into Dillon. He turns Dillon off turn number 10. Elliott moves by. Chase Elliott will take the checkered flag in the Chevrolet Silverado 250 after making contact with race leader Ty Dillon off the final quarter. An amazing conclusion. Chase Elliott's win came in the first truck series visit to the 10-turn, two-and-a-half-mile track in 2013. MRN pit reporter Jason Toy was there. The view there from pit lane at Canadian Tire Motorsports Park is kind of unique in the aspect because it's on a hill. I mean, so you kind of climb the hill a little bit and then you crest and then go down the hill on pit lane so it's kind of hard to see straight down because the wall's so high so a lot of us uh, were having to watch especially those of us that were covering the the trucks that were battling for the win we had to uh, watch it on the big screens uh, around the track and to see them beating and banging like that and that final you know coming to the final turn and then uh you know, having the crews go crazy about it. You know, Chase Elliott basically running Ty Dillon off the track and then eventually going on to the win. And, of course, after that, we're standing down in the Hendrick pit, and I turn around and look, and here comes the crew running down from uh, the Bass Pro team where, for uh, Richard Childress racing into the pits. They were held back by NASCAR officials and, you know, a lot of uh, jawing back and forth, you know, and then it, the drivers came back down on victory on the, the front stretch after um, – Chase did his burnout on the front stretch. He came back up the pit lane the opposite way. Ty walks down. Obviously, Ty really upset. He sticks his head in the window and lets him know a few words. And, you know, they had their their moments back and forth a little bit. And it's like that was one battle that was going on. And, you know, we talked to both those drivers after the race. Obviously, Chase and Victory Lane. I talked to Ty as well. And, you know, Ty was talking about how he got taken out. And just like, you know, Chase has taken him out before in in an East race. That's racing. And that's what we've seen that we developed at Canadian Tire Motorsports Park. But the other part of that, too, you had Max Pappas, who was racing. I think he was driving for Turner Motorsports, I'm not mistaken. And uh, Mike Skeen, who is a road course racer uh, that uh, got a one-off deal in the truck. And Mike was contending. Mike was one of the contenders in there. And him and Max got together. They jawed back and forth around the track on the cool-down lap and had a few words after the race. And it was Mike's girlfriend or wife at the time that... uh, (laughs) let max know about it down on the pit lane and and i'll say this for max he kept the smile on his face the whole time after he got whacked across the face but yeah that, i don't think we've seen mike scheme back in a truck since then maybe the most dramatic finish came in 2016 final time into turn nine and turn 10 
Cole Custer gets loose. Nemechek got to his bumper. Custer guarding that low line. Again, Nemechek hits the bumper. The drag race is on, and Nemechek puts Cole Custer into the wall. They both stay on the throttle, and at the strike, it looked like John Hunter Nemechek may have nipped Cole Custer. We first thought it was too close to call, as both drivers were just banging into each other all the way up the front stretch. Cole Custer is making his way on the track, chasing John Hunter Nemechek. He tackles him right at the end of the start-finish line. Drivers are scrambling around, crews jumping in, trying to take care of it. John Hunter Nemechek trying to figure out what's going on, but Cole Custer on a beeline run makes a tackle of John Hunter before NASCAR officials separate him. Cole Custer had led twice in today's Chevrolet Silverado 250, and that is just the outpouring of passion. Cole Custer feels he was mugged on the last two corners here at Canadian Tire Motorsport Park by John Hunter Nemechek, and this was his shot at the chase in the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series, and there you see the temper of Cole Custer being played out against John Hunter Nemechek. I uh, just went in there pretty much the same as how I always did, and I guess he just decided he wasn't going to race me clean and just hit me in the back in the second to last corner. And then it got me out of shape, got me off the line, then he hit me again in, in the last corner, and that just sent us into the into the grass, and he just drove me up against the fence. And uh, I, you know, I, I don't... I was expecting it, kind of, because he's raced a lot of people like that, but uh, just a shame. You know, this was a great chance for us to get in the chase, and uh, he took it away from us, so it's going to be a rough year for him. Well, congratulations on the win, but uh, we know that Cole Custer and his group are upset, and I know they were trying to uh, to talk to you. Any words that you care to uh, tell us about now? Uh, a lot of stuff that I can't say over the radio, but he would have done the same thing to me. All right, that's John Hunter Nemechek, guys. He feels confident that what he did was right. Second win of the year. He's going to go celebrate right now. Wow, that was fun and exciting. The Gander Outdoors Truck Series is no less volatile today, but that overriding theme Mike Skinner mentioned at the beginning still applies. Johnny Sauter and Matt Crafton have three championships between them. They've been rivals, teammates, and rivals again before reuniting in 2019 at Thor Sport Racing. Crafton says it's been a long, strange ride. I've been here so damn long. It's it's uh, I mean, it's changed. I mean, back in the day, it was Horner Days and Bodine, and I mean, back in, in Sprague, and now now it's the Sauter. I mean, Sauter is one of them. It was I mean, you had the Timothy Peters, and I've had a lot of great ones come through the Truck Series. The first time around, I feel we, we were we were against each other a lot more because we were trying to be the see who's the toughest guy on the block or toughest guy in the house and and whenever johnny had uh, got released from gms he was one of the i guess i talked to him that same day and then whenever he talked to duke and we all talked johnny it was really cool of him he's like w- w- would you be okay with me coming back there i know we kind of had butted heads a little bit in the past but we became way better friends whenever he left door sport just because we didn't have those two egos colliding at the end of the day but uh I, i'm ecstatic about having him back and being able to work with him and and then him calling and asking about having joe Shear back there and for joe to bring all the knowledge that he's got and has had for the last few years and stuff that he's learned and bring it to door sport and it's going to make us that much better i'm all about it through it all truck racing remains one of the more intense forms of american motorsports We hope you've enjoyed this series. I'm Mike Bagley. Thanks for listening. 
Today's program was a presentation of the Motor Racing Network with studios in Concord, North Carolina and Daytona Beach, Florida. The Tough Trucks of NASCAR, 25 years and still trucking, was written and produced by Woody Kane. Any use of the accounts or descriptions contained in this broadcast must be with the express written permission of NASCAR and the Motor Racing Network.